You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today we got another day filled with uh, questions. We'll see how far that takes us, but uh, i got to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty jacked about it. The show is 100% listener-powered. I haven't even really had time to... I've got some ideas, like, oh, I should probably do this series and do this kind of stuff, and it's like, i got too much stuff to do, too many questions to get to. But, um, no, it's nice. It's nice to be able to give you specifically what you want. It's also nice to be able to roll out of bed, you know, um, 45 minutes late, say, oh, no, I'm not going to have time, and then say, oh, wait, yes, I do have time, because everybody's provided my content for me. So, anyways, I am still going to have to kind of hurry it up here, but just wanted to say thank you for everybody that's... uh, Asking the questions. So we got some in the Facebook group. That's one way to go about doing it. It's kind of a fun way to go about doing it because you ask me a question, but then you also get like instant feedback from the people in the group. So be sure to check that out. And the uh, the Facebook group is called Packernet Podcast. If you go to Facebook and you search Packernet Podcast, I am pretty confident you'll find it. If you're a purist, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Packernet Pod. Like if you want to just, if you want to be sure... Like a thousand percent, like this isn't some fake knockoff Packernet podcast group. This is the thing. It's group slash Packernet pod, right? Then you'll then you'll know. Otherwise, if you want to find me directly, six zero eight five zero one zero seven one eight. Call or text six zero eight five zero one zero seven one eight. Data and messaging rates may apply. Does that actually apply to anyone anymore? Do people have data and messaging rates? In 2019, is that a thing? Or is that just kind of like the, uh, the medical companies, you know, talking about their medicine? Like, just so you know, this could kill you. It won't unless you suck down a whole bottle and jump off a cliff. But um, I have to say this. It's required by law. I don't know. But they may so call up Verizon, get, get the answer to that before you, before you text me. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Don't do that. You'll be fine. I promise you'll be fine. All right, where to begin? Well, first of all, let's begin with uh, the thank yous for the ratings and reviews. They keep pouring in. As I said, we did crack the 100 mark. I also did get some ideas for um, some, like, T-shirt stuff. Again, no idea how to design it, but uh, some pretty cool ideas that I'm kind of excited about. I'm not not totally sure about Shovel Brigade yet, Billy. That might be a little bit too nuanced. Maybe, like, you know, if I knew you were going to buy, like, six of them, Maybe. And I would get one for myself, which would mean I would lose everything that I would make. But, uh, just saying. No, but thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Oh, right. The message from Andy. Thank you. That's Andy from Wisconsin living in, uh, living in Kansas. So Andy sent in a question, but he also went on to say that he appreciated the show. Obviously not going to play that. It was two minutes of just thank you, so thank you back for calling in. But let's get to your question here. First of all, he wanted to know what I thought of Dalen Mack. I don't know if I've mentioned Dalen Mack on this show, mostly because I can't remember his name, but I might like Dalen Mack more than Rennell Wren, and I've talked about Rennell Wren a lot. I watched Dalen Mack like twice, two of his games, and both times I thought he looks exactly like Wren, but maybe a little bit better. And I was blown away because I remember when I watched Rennell Wren thinking, I've never seen anyone win this much. Like, the guy just wins every single time. And I've, I've told you to go watch Rennell Wren if you haven't yet. It's, I don't know, R-E-N-E-L-L-W-R-E-N. Just go to YouTube, type it in, and then put verse after it, V-S. And just watch Rennell Wren. The dude just wins. I mean, it's, it's one-on-one, and he's going to push the guy straight back. Does he get super productive with that? Not always. Does he get to the quarterback? Does he get to the running back? But it's, just, it's still just phenomenal to see. A guy that's just so brutishly powerful. So... That was my first thought on Dalen Mack was, because, again, i never seen anyone do that with Rennell Wren. I think the very next person I watched was Dalen Mack, and I was kind of done with watching defensive tackles anyways. I was like, oh, let's see what Dalen Mack's about, I guess. I don't know, click some random thing. I was on NFLBigBoard.com, by the way, so it was cool, because I can just kind of sort it by defensive tackle, grab a name I hadn't heard, click watch, and I watched him. 
And it was like the same thing. He was doing the same stuff, just beating everybody. But, um, you know, again, bigger. So, by the way, this is the least important part of what I have to say about Dalen Mack because, again, I'm not a scout. I don't actually know this stuff. I'm just telling you as a football fan, as somebody who's watched this like many of you have their whole lives, I watched him and I was very, very impressed because he's very powerful and he's one of those guys that he's just better than everybody. But, again, it's college. Part of the qualifications of getting into the NFL is that you don't belong in college because you're better than everybody in college. Dalen Mack is absolutely better than everybody in college that he's going up against. So running through a few other things that I can find about Dalen Mack just for your and everyone else's inquiry. So first things first on NFLBigBoard.com. And for those that don't know that are new to the show, NFLBigBoard.com is my website. And what it is is an aggregator, or I guess you can call it a consensus big board, which is that I go out and I find big boards from around the, the, the web, as many reputable sites as I can find. And reputable is debatable, but that's exactly what I'm trying not to do is be super, you know, whatever. I know a lot of people don't like Walter Football, but I take it as a reputable source and I bring him in because some people like him, some people don't. But it's all just a big average. And when you get 50 of these things together, it creates kind of a big average. So when I give you this rank, it kind of gives you a general consensus of what the the feeling is. Dalen Mack is ranked 132nd. That is to say probably in and around a fourth round guy. Um, also on NFL Big Board, I've got uh, their... Um, I don't know, I call it plus or minus, but risers and fallers ranking, I guess. And since um, since my last ranking, he's dropped eight. Now, maybe he's just fluctuating. Maybe he's falling. I'm not entirely sure. But if he is falling a little bit, he could end up being like an early fifth round kind of guy. So for the Packers purposes, based on where he's at, I would say we have, we have a, a real good shot at getting him in the fourth round, a possibility of him falling to the fifth round if we were interested in him and wanted to get him. Now... I'll say this from the Packers' perspective. The guy is six foot, 320 pounds. Typically, the Packers don't get big guys like that, right? Because I've been begging to get a guy like that, but it's just, it's not, you know, I don't think many teams really go get those true nose tackles anymore, even 3-4 type teams. Like I've said before, um, Kenny Clark is like, what, 316? Yeah, we got a dance party going. It's in my pocket, and you know what that means. Extended dance party! Mm. Don't you love it when you can't get to it? Just gets you all fired up. Considered calling it a pocket party, but I figured I'd stay away from that. You just never know. You just, you know, you don't. That's, it's fine. But typically, that's not what the Packers like to do. Not that they've never done it, because last year, and I'm blanking on his name. Oh, Mabu, I think. Joey Mabu, who's in the AAF now. Pretty sure that's who it was. But that that was my guy because he was kind of the big boy. right? I, I, I'm just, I still want my BJ Raji guy back even though I don't actually want Raji. Just, you know, like a, I don't know, 330, 325. And I guess 320 isn't that big for a nose tackle. It's not entirely out of the realm of possibility, but he's got to have some pass rush ability, and I do think he does. Especially if, again, what we want up the middle is Pat. Now, here's what I'll say, and and I'll back it up with, uh, I'm at the Draft Network here, what John Ledyard has to say, and there's three different guys who have have looked at him. I think what you're going to get from, I almost called him a boo, Dalen Mack, is an initial burst up the middle. But I, I think, and again, this is what Ledyard has kind of corroborated, I guess. You're not going to get much beyond that. And that's probably true with Ren as well. In other words, okay, you push the guy back three yards, now what? And I think it's the now what that's missing. Now, the good thing is, there's a difference between like a bull rusher from the outside who doesn't have any other moves but a bull rush because those guys just can't make it, right? Because there's there's just a really big distance between you know, being an outside linebacker and getting to the quarterback. I mean, first of all, outside linebackers have it kind of tough because, I mean, just the distance it takes to get to the tackle because you're already off the line a little bit and away from the line of scrimmage a little bit, and then the tackle is just going to kind of jump back. I mean, you've got to cover some distance just to get to him. So the idea of being like a defensive tackle the second the ball snaps, you're just going to smack the guy, and you got a chance to win right when you right when the ball snaps. Outside linebackers got to kind of figure it out. And if your your plan is to just charge at them, I mean, the, the tackle can see that coming a mile away, kind of brace for it. Beyond that, if you push a guy back two yards, you're not even halfway to the quarterback. If you're a defensive tackle, you push a guy back two, three yards, there's a good chance you're in the quarterback's lap already. 
So pressure up the middle and just, just having that ability to collapse the pocket, even if nothing else, just, just make sure he can't step up in the pocket. If that's all you're doing, it still carries some weight and some benefit. Now he's got to learn at some point to be able to do something else. But if you just look at the very bottom here, if you go to the draft network and look at what uh, John Leitard had to say about Dalen Mack, his best trait is burst and get off, which is exactly what I was describing. His worst trait, rush plan and counters. So again, now what? Uh, at the very bottom here, it says Dalen Mack reminds folks a bit of Puna Ford, but with way more hype. So I haven't heard any of the hype, but I'm glad to hear there is hype because I like him. I also want to read this first paragraph here about his burst and get off because, again, it's it's basically what I said I saw about him and what I really like about him, but in, you know, somebody who knows what they're talking about terms. Unbelievably explosive in general, but especially for his size. Quick first step consistently creates a push up front so fast off the ball at times that opponents cannot even build in house, cannot even build his house in pass protection. See what I mean? I don't know what that means. I mean, I get what it probably means. I've never heard that term before. Can't build his house in pass protection or get into his first step as a run blocker. Has some snap jumping to him, but even when he doesn't time it up, he's exceptionally twitchy. Um, if you take a look at, and if you haven't heard of this either, I, I haven't been plugging him as much as I should. A guy that I've worked with on some of my YouTube videos, uh, Mark Jarvis. You can see him on Twitter and whatnot. He's got a website called What's on Draft NFL. Not What's on NFL Draft. It's What's on Draft as in like, you know, What's on Tap, but it's What's on Draft. I think that's kind of what we're doing here. Uh, he actually grades him as a fourth round value, which kind of makes sense. That's right about where we're at. His RAS score was not very high, 3.61. But what he does that I really, really like, and it's something that I want to start building into my site, NFL Big Board, next year, it's going to be, again, if, if you have any scouting ability, if you know anybody that's got it, I really need to pick your brain because there's there's a lot of back end that I just don't know. But it's going to have to do with this, these kinds of traits and trait scouting and how that's going to translate. Super excited about it, but I, I got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm kind of not even sure where to start here. But the first trait he looks at is anchor strength. Uh, and this this is for a nose tackle. It's the most important attribute. He gives it 35 points. It's it's you just have to look at it. I would say the average is about 15 or 20. For example, his his pass rush grade he gives him a uh, a two, but it's a two out of five. So in other words, when you add all this up, anchor strength is going to have a lot more weight than pass rushing. But he gives him 31 out of 35 points. And here's what he had to say: Dump truck body is built for handling the nose tackle position. Massive man who carries his weight pretty well for that size, has natural leverage that isn't easily upended, can take on double teams without being overwhelmed, although he can be moved. Mass is well distributed throughout his entire body. Thighs are as wide as most torsos. Easy power generators down low. Anchor dies out if his feet aren't completely stationary. Short yardage situation show off his skill set better than anything else. And that's kind of, that's sort of what I like about him. And I feel like the Packers don't really have... I wouldn't mind investing in it again. Like, if we're talking fourth round or if he falls into the fifth, I like this. I know it's not the cool thing to do in football anymore. I know we want to get smaller, we want to get faster, we want to get more athletic, we want to get pass rushers. But the cool thing about this is you get just absolute run stuffers a lot later just because of the fact that all they do is run stuff, right? I mean, it's it's like I keep talking about how much I like Snacks Harrison and how great he is. Nobody else wants to give him that much credit because he's not a pass rusher. A lot of the guys I like and respect are because of how good they are as run defenders, but nobody cares. If you're not getting sacks, if nobody hears your name getting after the quarterback, and and all you're doing is getting in on... And, and that's the thing, it's hard to see. If somebody runs up the middle and doesn't go anywhere, it's like, oh yeah, we're really good at this. No, man, you got a stud up there. You just don't want to give him any credit or don't notice. Um, I, I acknowledge that he would be very situational if we got a guy like Dalen Mack, which is why fourth round is, is a little bit early. He's not going to be probably an every-down guy, especially in the Packers' defense where we already have so many guys, and guys that are talented against the run as well. Kenny Clark can handle it. I think Mike Daniels can handle it. Obviously, if we're going to plug somebody in next to him, it would be ideal to get more of a pass rusher in there. But again, we're talking fourth, fifth round to be able to get a situational guy, if we're talking goal line, if we're talking short yardage, you get a, a massive man, and, and uh, he has him listed at 336 pounds. I don't know what he weighed in on at, weighed in at, at the combine. I could look it up, but who cares? Either way, let's just say at his lightest, he can be 320. At his biggest, he can be in the 330s. Whatever the Packers want him to be, that's what he can be. But that's kind of what we're looking at. I want to switch over really quickly here uh, to what the Pro Football Focus draft guide has to say about him. Uh, they, they haven't even made him his own profile, which is a little bit 
sad. And I guess you can't make a profile for everybody. So what, what they have is they have these massive sheets of statistics. And then usually for a lot of these top prospects, they'll build like a, their own card, right? Where you got the grades and you've got the little spider chart and all this cool stuff. A picture of them looking all intense. Dalen didn't get one, so apparently he's not top of the list. But what I can tell you, uh, his pass rush productivity wasn't actually all that terrible. It's a lot higher than I would have expected, to be completely honest. And again, when we're talking pass rush productivity, what PFF does is it looks at um, sacks, it looks at pressures, and it looks at hits, and then it also weights it. So it takes those three things, adds it up, takes it as a percentage, but also weights sacks more so than pressures, etc., etc., and comes out with a number. Now, at the very top, you got Quinn and Williams, Christian Wilkins, and then you got to go down quite a ways. you got Dexter Lawrence, Jerry Tillery. These are the big names, Draymond Jones. Some of the guys we've already talked about. And you've, you've got to go down quite a ways here. However, he's still on the first card. They've got four. Do I have to count this? All right, he's 24th is what he is. And we're talking, let's see, so there's probably 30 per card, 30, 60, 90, 120. So 24th out of 120, or yeah, 24th out of 120-ish guys. That's not bad, man. We're ta- Again, we're talking about a fourth-round guy, and we're talking about a nose tackle that's primarily a, a run stuffer. And just to put it in context, he's only five guys lower than Ed Oliver. His pass rush productivity number was 10.5, which doesn't mean much to many people unless you really are immersed in pro football focus. But he's above Gerald Willis. And in terms of his numbers, he had 258 total pass rush snaps. Now, again, it's important to remember to put things in context because if you just look at his stats, that's not going to tell you very much. How many games did he play? How many snaps was he actually on the field? And how many of those snaps were against the run as opposed to against the pass because if, if you're for whatever reason you're you're just going out there to stop the run like you're a situational guy and you're not rushing the passer very much and you look at it and go he only had he only had four sacks well maybe he only had like 50 opportunities because that would be incredible but of his 258 snaps which is kind of a lot Ed Oliver had 255 so about the same amount as, as Oliver he came away with five sacks two hits and 15 hurries 22 total pressures. As far as the metric I like to use, that kind of, you know, something that I can relate to, it's an 8% pressure percentage. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know I'm looking for about 10. 10 is when I feel comfortable, like, okay, he's he's good. He's That's that's a solid number. You get above 10 into the 12s, and you're talking, you know, Kenny Clark. You're talking Zadarius Smith, right? Now now you're pretty solid. You're, I mean, you're, you're a good pass rusher. So 10 is sort of like the bottom line, like you've got to cross 10, and once you're at 10, it's like, okay, that's a decent enough number. 12 is you're getting to be a pretty good pass rusher. Above 12, you're a real good pass rusher. Like, you, again, 16, like that range. You know, Khalil Mack was 14. So 8.5% is not great, but again, for a nose tackle that's primarily a run stuffer, I don't mind that. So anyways, I feel like that was relatively thorough. And again, if anybody has any questions about a guy that you like, I'll try to do my best to give you my thoughts on him. But I, I was pretty excited when I saw that question because, again, I do like Dalen Mack a lot. He's not going to be your prototypical NFL defensive tackle, but he is valuable. He's he's a 3-4 guy. He's a nose tackle. If I had to guess, the Packers aren't going to take him. Just because if we're if we're looking to add somebody, I would guess it would be a, a pass rush guy from the inside, and he'd probably go early because of how much talent there is in the early rounds. And then if we do end up adding a, you know, pass rusher type defensive tackle, uh, I can't imagine adding another defensive tackle because we have a lot of talent along the defensive tackle uh, part of the football field or whatever. So anyways, that's that. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Um, going back into the Facebook group now, um, Bill from the group asked a question a couple of days ago. Sorry, I didn't get to it quite yet. The question was about Ndamukong Sue and what he'd be worth adding for two to three years. He says, if the price is right, I say yes. Now, you, you already know what I have to say about the locker room, so I'm just going to avoid that because I think it's, it's I'm, I'm bored with it at this point. So let's set aside the part that he's got a little bit of an attitude, not just the part that he has literally tried to physically hurt Green Bay Packers before, like multiple, not just Aaron Rodgers who's still on the team, but several other guys, like, you know, stomping people in places where you just don't do that to other guys. We'll leave that aside. So first of all, Ndamukong Sue, obviously a, a monstrous human being. He's 32 years old at this point. So if we signed him to a two-year contract, it would be until he's 34 years old. Well, I guess that's, that's not the right way to say it. He would play at 32, he would play at 33. Now, in terms of his abilities, I don't really see a guy that's, that's slowing down at all. If you're just looking at his PFF score, which is the first thing that I'm looking at here, uh, 2012, he started in 2010, but 2012 is when he kind of started to take off. Um, he had his lowest grade of that stretch in 2012, so if we eliminate 2012, I guess, starting in 2013, he's only had one year below the 80s. And again, for, for PFF grades, 70s are good, 80s are very good, 90s are elite. He's never had a year in the 90s, not as, not as an overall defensive grade. He has had elite run defense grades, or one. But even in 2014, the one year he was below, it was 79.6. I'm comfortable calling that very good. He's been very good every year since 2013 is, is the easiest way to summarize it. He doesn't seem to be slowing down. It fluctuates, but he had his best year ever, according to PFF, in 2017 with Miami. And then in 2018, it wasn't his best year, but it was actually graded as his third best year at 30, 32, 31, whatever he was last year. So he doesn't seem to be slowing down. Beyond that, he doesn't seem to be t- taking less plays. He's playing more. If you just look at his snap counts since his rookie year, 958, 809, 879, 890, 909, 996, 1,028, 877, 1,062. He's only played 1,000 snaps twice in his entire career, and it was in 2016 and 2018 with the Rams. So he's not slowing down there. However, here's kind of the, the issue. And and Sue is a run defense guy. He's not a pass rusher. There was a time when he was a pass rusher, but if there's anything that's slowing down, it's that. Now, he might even be getting better as a run defender. He's been top-tier, borderline elite since 2014, his last year with Detroit. But that was also the year in which he kind of stopped being a super elite pass rusher. So at this point in his career, and by the way, he had his lowest pass rush grade ever in 2018, but is still operating at a near elite level as a run defender. So that's what we get at this point in his career. He's no longer a very good pass rusher, but he's still a very, very good run defender. In my opinion, he's Muhammad Wilkerson, but better. A lot better. But he's still Muhammad Wilkerson. And again, as much as I don't want to talk about it, he does carry the extra baggage. You maybe don't put as as much stock in the locker room stuff or attitude or whatever as I do, but you got to account for it at least to some degree. It has to matter somewhat. I'm assuming that it does. I don't know. So, you know, rather than just throwing out, well, here's his grades, and, you know, if you don't like his PFF grades, let me just run through some of the numbers. I just talked about uh, pressure percentages and what it means. Let's look at some of his pressure percentages just to see kind of what he's producing along the defensive line. And keep in mind what I said about the Packers pass rush. And if you didn't listen to that episode, go back and find the one. It's It was my most clickbaity um, title ever. But it was Packers pass rush is better than the Bears pass rush. I talked pretty extensively about all the Packers players and their pass rush percentages. Compared it to the Bears and, by the way, concluded that we have a better defensive front than the Bears do. They basically have Khalil Mack and a couple guys that are decent, and that's kind of it. Whereas the Packers have just studs across the line. But anyways, it, it appears to me, just just kind of without having to do the math on every single one of his years here, uh, the one year that stands out would be uh, 2013. Now, if you go Google his stats, it's really not going to stand out because he only had five sacks. Again, this is PFF numbers. They account sacks differently, so it might be a different number if you go look it up, which is one of his lowest years, but he had 72 total pressures, five sacks, 13 hits, and 54 hurries. So a massive disruptor. That comes out to 12.5%. That's a big number. That was his second to last year in Detroit. The very next year, he dropped to 10.3. Now, his number spiked. If you, Again, if you're just looking at stats, ooh, nine sacks. I mean, that's pretty good. 
And yeah, and who wouldn't take nine sacks? That's awesome. But he had 63 total pressures on 610 pass rush attempts, which is 10.3. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if you want to give him the credit for converting a lot of those to sacks, you can. If you want to give him credit for having more snaps than a lot of other people, fine, go ahead. But I would prefer to have a guy that on any given snap, he has a better chance of getting to the quarterback. Seems logical to me. So again, he went from 12 to 10, and that was his last year with Detroit. Then he goes over to Miami. He's still at about 10. It's 10.7 or 10.8, I guess. So still relatively low. But at that position where it's like, you know what, as as good of a run defender as you are, I'll take that. The next year, he drops to 9.2. And and keep in mind, when, when Miami picked him up, they paid him quarterback money. And I remember I had said this was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. I was so mad that they paid him this much money because you should never pay defensive tackles that much. Now, I've seen a lot of silly things since then, so it's no longer my least favorite move, but they way overpaid for this guy. They paid him basically that he was Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald got quarterback money, and I'm not super mad about that. They paid Ndamukong Sue quarterback money. like I think it was around, like if I'm not mistaken, like $20 million a year, and this was back in 2015, so quite a while, quite a while ago. And in his second year there, he was at 9.2%, which is low. I mean, you you should be getting at least 10%. And with that kind of money, you should be getting Khalil Mack-type pressures, like 14 15%. He got 9 in his second year. Then in his third year with Miami, he produces 8%. 8. Really low. 43 total pressures, 5 sacks, 8 hits, 30 hurries on 534 attempts. Now, it was his best run defense year ever. He was graded as elite. It was the only elite grade he's ever gotten by PFF. However, it also came with 12 penalties. It was his second highest year in penalties. He tends to get quite a bit of those. He had 16 in 2015, which was his highest. So Miami went out and paid a bunch of money for a guy who's got penalties up the wazoo. He had one year of getting 10%. Then he went down to 9. Then he went down to 8. And then they're like, you know what? Go away. This was a horrible investment, which pretty much anybody that is sane could have told you, but Miami decided to be insane, and that's probably why they're in the mess they're in now, because they're run by a bunch of dodo birds. I could have told you that about their impending doom that they're in right now, where everybody's saying they're not going to win. And by the way, I feel like my predictions are always a year early. I said last year Miami isn't going to win a single game, and now this year everyone's like, oh, I don't know how they're going to win a single game. It's like, oh man, <laughs> I said that, I was just a year early. But yeah, they're, they're, just, they're just not a well-run team, and they're not going to get better until somebody else takes the reins and figures out how to do it. And it's, as, as, again, as much as I don't like to be the guy that says, oh, if I was there, I could do a better job, sometimes I can't help but think I could. Because I know I wouldn't have signed Ndamukong Sue. I at least know that much. I mean, there, there are times when you look at stuff that GMs do, and it's like, well, that's never going to pay off. And it doesn't. And you kind of feel like, you know what, I think that Probably 50% of people just casually watching football could be the GM of that team and have made a better decision. Because on a coin flip, at least half of the people would have made a better decision than you just made because it was a terrible decision. But anyways, then the Rams go out and pay big money for him. And it doesn't seem like as big of a deal because it's a one-year thing. He's still a good football player, at least against the run. When you have Aaron Donald next to you, who's the best pass rusher in the NFL, not best defensive tackle pass rusher, not best interior pass rusher, best pass rusher in the NFL, um, you, you can maybe afford to get a guy that is strictly a, a run stuffer. But once again, he comes up with an 8% number. It was 8.5%. And again, based on his grade by PFF, uh, it was his lowest grade ever. Seven sacks, 14 hits, 36 hurry. So that's what you get with Ndamukong Sue. Uh, he's, he's kind of a loose cannon. Um, you know, Kind of hard to control. Got a bit of an attitude. He's going to rack up a bunch of penalties. He's pretty good against the run. He's not a good pass rusher. He's pretty old, and the name recognition means he's going to be pretty expensive. So in my personal opinion, no, he's not worth it. Especially when you consider how little money the Packers have. As I said, I feel like they have exactly the amount of money that they need. If you add up all the extra stuff as far as add, you know, uh, signing draft picks, saving a little bit of money for your... Uh, practice squad and then bringing in about eight million dollars and carrying that into the season as a cushion in case somebody gets hurt to be able to go out and get somebody which is seems to be the general standard is eight million it comes out to about exactly the amount of money we have so I don't think we're going to sign anyone 
But again, I'm, I'm, I've, I've flirted a few times with the idea of adding one piece, but the question is who? And Dominican Sue is not going to force me to bust up the remaining dollars we have. In other words, if I have to be forced to give up this money, which I feel like we shouldn't, it's like an emergency fund is basically what they have. The emergency fund is money that should never be touched. Now, you don't, you don't dip into your emergency fund to go to the movies. You just don't do that. It's if there's an emergency. So if you come to me and say, who is worth an emergency fund kind of signing, because that's all the money we have left, it's going to be kind of tough, right? I, I talked about maybe Eric Berry, not 100% sold, just, I mean, if, if listen, if we had extra money, I'd say Eric Berry in a second, and I would say Indomitian Sue, maybe, but probably not. But when we get down to the fact where it's like we just don't really have any money unless we really, really have a good value, we just can't pass it up, and I just don't think Indomitian Sue is going to be that. I don't know what he's commanding on the market, but I, even at a veteran minimum, I guess at that maybe you'd consider it, but he's not going to get that, so whatever. Um, I think there's probably time to get to the last two questions, at least time in terms of we're only th- at 30 minutes in the podcast, but I'm, I'm kind of curious or concerned about actual physical time before I have to go to work. So I'm actually going to skip Steve's question in the Facebook group and save that because I'm going to need some time to think about. Hopefully I can remember. And I'm going to jump to Billy's question here just because I don't really need to think about it. I can just jump to it. But here's what he had to say. Ryan, would you be interested in doing a deeper dive into the second tier of the inside linebackers for the podcast? For where we pick, I don't see us getting White or Bush. I think that's a good point. Uh, you know, just kind of cutting him off here. And I sort of talked about this, I think, yesterday. I don't super love the idea of getting either of the Devons at 12, and I don't think either of them are going to be available at 30, so I tend to agree. He lists a few second tier. Uh, that's Mac Wilson, um, Vashawn Joseph, Jermaine Pratt, DeAndre Walker, and Trey Lamar, who he says is his personal sleeper pick. So I've been a big Mac Wilson fan for a while. I don't probably need to tell you why uh, Mac Wilson is a Mac truck. And a lot of people actually disagree with that. I, I had kind of tried to prompt um, prompt some people to describe Mac Wilson as a heavy hitter. And every time they're just like, oh, if you want a heavy hitter, you should look at Devin Bush. And it's like, no, man, you're supposed to say Mac Wilson. But just go check out his highlights. And that's that's all you're going to see is him just smoking people. And I just it gets me excited. I can't help. So I really like Mac Wilson. Other than that, to be honest, I haven't really looked at a lot of these guys. I know, shame on me, right? But let's dig in anyways. Because to be completely honest, as I just said, we're probably not getting one of the top two guys, but I'd be stunned if we don't get a linebacker, even though, again, I really, really have a hunch they like Devin Bush. Just just, just a weird thing that I got going on. If we trade up for Bush, if we take Bush at 12, these are the kinds of things that feel like won't happen. But it's one of those things, it's like, ah, I knew it. Even though I said it wouldn't happen, I, I promise you, if we get Devin Bush at 12, I'm going to scream, I knew it! And you're going to call me a liar, but that's fine. But if, if, if those things are true, we, we're, we have to get a linebacker. Again, no super disrespect to Oren Burks or anything, but even if he takes a jump, I wouldn't mind getting another guy. I mean, what, what is the absolute worst-case scenario? We have three good linebackers? Oh, no. You know what that means? That means we have three good linebackers on the roster, which is a very good thing to have, And it also means we can have a conversation, not that I want to, because again, I like Blake Martinez a lot, but he's going to come up for a contract. He's going to want a lot of money. At this particular point in time, we're absolutely going to pay him a lot of money. But if Warren Burke steps up and is a stud, and we draft one of the Bushes who is a stud, we kind of just let Blake Martinez walk. Again, I don't want that to happen. I like Blake Martinez, but I also like money. I like extra cap space. I keep slapping this horse. There's... There's a horse hanging from its bridle on a chair next to me, and I, when I do the podcast, I flail my arms around a lot, and I keep slapping it. I apologize to you, horse that is hanging by its head. Children are weird, man. This It looks a little sadistic. What were we talking about? Anyways, uh, let's look at this. So basically, it looks like what he did is more or less copy and pasted the next five guys according to my big board. So again, he pointed out Trey Lamar. Assuming there's time, I actually want to add Tavon Coney, though. Because I think a lot of people really like him as well. So I, I kind of see him as a second-tier guy, even though he's kind of another step down on the big board. But let me just give you their ranks right now, just to give you an idea of, again, as an aggregation based on a lot of other people's big boards, where these guys rank. So Mac Wilson right now is sitting at about 35. So he's he's teetering on the first, second-round territory. Now that, in my opinion, means he's going to be second-round. Typically when I look at a big board and I see a guy late first, early second, they're almost always going to go second. Linebackers are just not valued very highly, usually, because I remember all the years I wanted Packers to get a linebacker because we needed linebackers, 
and there were guys that were valued in the first round. Some of them would get taken, but about half of them would end up in the second round. And of course, the Packers would take exactly zero of them. So Mac Wilson is probably going to be an early second round guy. I don't expect the Packers to take him at 30. And I, you know, he may fall to 44. That would probably be our best bet. Now, the the biggest problem that I'm seeing here, and this is going to be the problem with, with linebacker. And again, one of the problems with not taking Devin White or Devin Bush. So basically, we I think our one shot at getting White or Bush is at 12, assuming they're available, and that's not a guarantee. But 12 is going to be where we have to take them because they're not going to make it to 30. Mac Wilson, I don't know if he's going to make it to 40. And then Vashawn Joseph, I have graded at 69th, or ranked 69th would make more sense. That's third round. So we got two linebackers that are first-round guys, early first-round guys, mid, you know, early to mid. One guy that's probably early second round. And then you got a guy that's early third round in Vashawn Joseph. Jermaine Pratt is 78th. That's mid-third. DeAndre Walker is 85th, also mid-third, so we got a few third-round guys. Trey Lamar is 96th. That's basically end of the third, getting into compensatory pick territory. And then Tavon at 107 is early fourth round. So basically, in terms of the top guys, there's three guys in the first two rounds. Then you got about four-ish, you know, in between, you know, around third round-ish territory, third to fourth. So you, you get a decent pile, but again, the top guys, there's very few of them. And that actually might push push a guy like Mac Wilson into the first round. The fact that there's basically no second round prospects. Now, you know, this isn't official of any, you know, it's an aggregation. I'm sure some teams think other guys are second round picks, whatever. But I'm just going based on what I'm looking at. You might have to take a linebacker early if you want one. So looking at PFF now, if I go with Mac Wilson, <clears throat> and this is one of the least flattering things I've ever seen. Uh, the first thing that you're looking at for linebacker is going to be the run-stop percentage, and there's a lot of these. Again, I call them cards, but there's so many linebackers. There's two, four, six, six cards. And if we're talking about maybe 30 on each, as I said, we're talking about 180, pretty close to 200. So pretty close to 200 linebacker prospects. I'm not going to count from the top where Mac Wilson is because Mac Wilson is seventh from the bottom. He is nearly dead last in run-stop percentage in the entire country of all these almost 200 linebackers. To give you an idea of what it is I'm talking about here, and let me just read this so we're clear what this means. This is how PFF defines their run-stop percentage. Our run-stop percentage figure is the amount of defensive stops a defender makes against the run compared to the amount of snaps he played in run defense. Obviously, a player who has played 400-plus snaps against the run is going to have a gaudy amount of tackle opportunities, and similarly, a player with less time spent against the run will have less. Run-stop percentage averages out the amount of stops per snap, essentially, giving a true testament of how impactful a player was on a per-play basis. Side note, a stop constitutes a win for the defense, or conversely, a loss for the offense. PFF describes a stop further as an offensive gain on first down that is kept to less than 40% of the line to gain, less than 50% of the line to gain on second down, and any third or fourth down play kept without a first down or touchdown. So I think the first part is more indicative of what we're talking about here. But I guess it is important because rather than just looking at tackle, right, if, if you completely blow the play and you chase him down from behind and tackle him, you don't want to give the guy credit for that. So if we're talking about first down, less than 40%, what are we talking about? Well, if it's first and 10 and you get four yards, that's a stop. If you get five yards, that's not a stop. Second down, it's 50%, so you can get five yards. So if they get six yards and you tackle them, they don't count that as a stop. And then again, third or fourth down, keep them from getting a first down or a touchdown. So if it's fourth and two and they get three yards and then you tackle them, you're not getting credited for a stop there. That makes sense? So it's how many tackles, but also how many good tackles not just random garbage tackles. So the, the the guy at the top of the list here is a guy by the name of Francis Bernard. If you want somebody that you've actually heard of, probably Joe Deneen Jr. is second. At least I know that name. But Francis Bernard had a run-stop percentage of 17.42%. He had 36 total tackles. 27 of them were considered a defensive run stops. In other words, the other were garbage. He only had 155 total run defense snaps. So on 155 total attempts or opportunities to to stop somebody, he capitalized on that 27 times, so 17.42%. Now, these are kind of disgusting numbers, but when it kind of gets down to the average, 
You get 17, 14, 14, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13 da, 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 and then a bunch of 12s. So 12 is kind of like top end, and then after that is just kind of silly numbers. So lots of 12s, lots of 11s, lots of 10s, a ton of 9s, a ton of 8s, and you keep going down this list, and you keep going down this list. Mac Wilson had a run-stop percentage of 4.59. The lowest anybody had is Brian Lipscomb of Kansas, 4.15. Mac Wilson played 370 snaps against the run for Alabama. 370 opportunities to stop somebody. He only capitalized on that 17 times. 370, 17 times he made a tackle. That was a worthwhile tackle. Again, not the guy ran past me and I grabbed his ankles. We're talking impact plays. 17 impact plays. That's not good, man. There's a lot more to this. You know, Alabama's a big program. His athleticism, his ability to cover, whatever, whatever. But I mean, this is this is kind of bad. Now, on the flip side, they also look at pass rush productivity. Obviously, as a linebacker, your ability to rush the passer isn't nearly as important, right? Stopping the run, covering the pass, very important, but they do also have pass rush productivity on here. I've already explained what that is. He's much higher. He's on the first card. Interestingly enough, you know who's number one on this list? TJ Edwards out of Wisconsin, which is kind of cool. Out of 43 pass rushing snaps, meaning 43 times he was told to go get the quarterback, he had three sacks, one hit, 13 hurries, 17 total pressures, which is a 46.5 pass rush productivity staggeringly, using the metric that I like to use, which is percentage, it's it's basically 40%. So as I've said, 10%, pretty good. 12 is a little bit more what you're looking for. If you get up into the 15, 20 range, that's awesome. This guy's at 40%. So it's almost a guarantee if I tell you to go get the quarterback, you know, flip a coin, is he going to get there or not? It's probably a little bit different for linebackers. It's kind of like basically a trick play. So maybe you get a little bit more of that, but that's that's kind of crazy. But Mac Wilson was on the first card, probably in and around, you know, 20th, 25th, actually right next to Vashawn Joseph. 31.3 was his number as far as pass rush productivity, and he was basically 30% of the time he was able to get to the quarterback. So anyways, getting to his actual card card, uh, you know, with the cool picture and everything, his overall grade was a 71.8. Now, again, it's Alabama. They don't adjust for competition. So Alabama guys are typically going to have lower grades because they go up against tougher competition. But 71 isn't very good. 71 is, is just barely in the good category. Here, I've got the actual number. His run stop percentage was 148th. And these never actually match up to the cards. So I don't know how this works. Maybe this is the national rank as opposed to the guys that are, I don't know. But 43rd in pass rush productivity. He ranked 92nd in tackling efficiency, 94th in yards per cover snap. So these are coverage numbers. 84th in coverage snaps per target. And 133rd in yards per tackle at uh, 5.77 yards. Uh, looking at his individual grades, as I said, his pass rush was his highest grade at 75. So not even super elite, but, you know, better. Run defense, they gave him a grade of 67.9, which is pretty average. Coverage was 70.2. So at least he's kind of well-rounded, right? Theoretically, and this would be up to a scout or GM or whatever to ultimately determine, but the guy can do a little bit of everything. It's just a question of how well. So well-rounded is important for a linebacker. It's just a matter of, you know, how bad is it going to get as far as this or that category. So nothing really flattering about Mac Wilson whatsoever. I'm going to skip some of those other metrics and just look at... uh, the, the cards for some of these other guys because I'm about out of time and I apologize for that noise in the background. Just pretend I'm at the beach if you can hear it. If not, well, still pretend I'm at the beach because, I mean, why wouldn't you? I want to be at the beach. You can pretend you're at the beach. We can both be at the beach if you want. I want to go to the beach. All right, who's next? Mr. Vachon, Mr. Vachon was similarly graded in terms of 73.7, but in terms of the distribution of his grade, pass rush, 79.8. They gave him a very good pass rush grade, which is cool, but again, I'm not sure how much you want to scout for that kind of thing. His run defense was fine, 73.2. His coverage, though, 65.8. He's he's not good at all in coverage, and that's going to absolutely knock him. And as far as the Packers are concerned, I just don't see him going that route, right? Blake Martinez isn't the greatest cover guy in the world. Oren Burks was drafted to be a really good cover guy, but I don't think he is that, nor do I know if he's ever going to become that. So the Packers are still looking for that guy that can cover as a linebacker. As much as I would love for them just to just find a good linebacker, and I I think that's one of the benefits of getting 
Devin White, Devin Bush, right? Get a guy that's a stud that can also cover, as opposed to getting Oren Burks, who's just really fast, and he can probably run with a linebacker. I don't know. I mean, that's cool, but, I mean, I don't know. You still have to be a linebacker. That's whatever. So his best attribute was yards per tackle, 4.8 or 4.08. He ranked 39th. His worst was tackling efficiency. He ranked 137th. So, again, nothing super flashy about him. Um, I don't know. Nothing to get too excited about. And, again, this is kind of the problem with not getting one of the early guys. I mean, I'm, 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 we've done okay getting mid-round guys that have kind of panned out. You know, Jake Ryan and, and Blake Martinez have done a good job. But, I, you know, whatever. Who's next? Here we go. Mr. Jermaine Pratt. PFF loves Jermaine Pratt. Now, he's NC State, which isn't Alabama, but it's still a big program. I mean, we're not talking about like a D3 school. He's not coming out of Whitewater. He was given a grade of 90.3. He was given an elite grade. Now, the cool thing about this is some of this is actually backed up by stats. It's not just their grading system, which some people don't necessarily like. Run stop percentage, he ranked 5th in the nation. Pass rush productivity, he ranked 7th in the nation. Tackling efficiency, he ranked 6th. Yards per coverage snap, which again, if we just think through what that means, on every snap, on average, how many yards is somebody gaining? He ranked 45th. Now, not super flattering, but there's a lot of linebackers in the country. 45th isn't bad. Coverage snaps per target, how many snaps until you get targeted? His number was 12.36. He ranked 40th in the nation. His worst uh, stat here, as far as his advanced stats, was yards per tackle at 4.57. Still beats out half the guys we've talked about so far. Now, his worst grade was in coverage, but he was given a 78.9 in coverage, which is a very good grade. Run defense, 90.3. Pass rush, 84.7. He ran a 4.57, so he's got plenty of speed. I don't know what the current thought on Jermaine Pratt is. Again, I can tell you where he is on my board. Based on these attributes, this is the kind of guy that could be a second-round pick. I mean, you know, just looking at this, he should be an early first-round pick, right? But I'm sure there's other attributes in there. But I mean, if you're looking for a guy, six foot two, 240 pounds, there's no problem with his size. There's no problem with his speed. There's no problem with his statistics. There's no problem with the school he went to. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's something wrong with the guy. And if I had more time, I'd, I'd go read up on him a little bit more. But I mean, this real high upside right here. Beyond that, almost every one of these really good attributes came out of nowhere. His run defense has always been really good, but his coverage was terrible and all of a sudden became real good, and his pass rush was garbage and became really good. So maybe that's kind of the fear, but it also kind of could and should be looked at as, um, you know, he, he really exploded in his final year, and that's kind of a good thing. So I'm that's that's something for me. I don't know. Do what you got to do. I'm going to go watch Jermaine Pratt, man. That kind of got me excited. I actually did make a list, and maybe I'll talk about this, because they don't order it in here. It's not like an Excel sheet. It's just random stuff. But I went through and found all the 90s and, and high 80s, and I made them in order. So I kind of have a PFF big board. So maybe I'll kind of run through that on the show one of these days so we can kind of look at some of these un- lesser-known guys. Jermaine Pratt must be on that list. But this is a guy I definitely need to, need to go watch. All right, DeAndre Walker. Really need to stop talking so much. Plays for Georgia. Again, pretty big school, 81.9. Very good grade. Not elite, but very good. His stats look solid, 28th in pass rush productivity, 24th in run stop percentage, 22nd in snaps per inside pressure. Oh, is he an outside linebacker? Oh, they have him listed as an edge rusher. Shows what I know. I got to go check that out. I'm actually going to skip this because this doesn't count if he's an edge rusher. My bad. Well, good. I don't have time for him anyways. Let's get to Trey Lamar, which is, uh, this is Billy's personal sleeper pick anyway. So let's talk about Mr. Trey Lamar. So Clemson linebacker, uh, also a good grade, 81.4. If you just look at his spider chart, it's kind of all over the place. His, his run grade is real high. Tackling efficiency is high. Passer rating allowed is relatively high. Uh, run stop percentage is high. Uh, you look at some other stuff like his coverage grade, incredibly low. Target percentage, really low. Completion percentage allowed, really low. So anything in coverage, the guy is not good. But um, So let, let's, look at, let's just look at his grades real quick to give an overall idea. Pass rush, meh, basically average. Run defense, the guy has, so so let's follow his trajectory over three years. And his, his first year, 75.1. That's not bad. Second year, 82.7. That's a very good grade. His, his last year with Clemson, 90.5. In other words, one of the best run defenders in all of college football. Elite grade, awesome. Coverage over three years, 52.9, 61.3, and 55.4. The guy is straight trash in coverage. 
So that that's what you get with Trey Lamar. Six foot three, two hundred and fifty-three pounds. He's gonna tear up the middle of that defense. He's an enforcer. He's probably the guy that I'm gonna go watch Trey Lamar and be like, Yep, that's my guy. I want him all day. I, I can just tell by his grading that he's gonna be the kind of guy that the NFL doesn't like. He's probably not gonna be super great in the NFL. He's gonna get picked on in coverage, but I still like him and I will die on that hill for guys like this. But ultimately this is you know, he's going to be taken later. I mean, it's really not that much different than Dalen Mack. The only difference is you typically don't bring in situational linebackers the same way you bring in situational defensive tackles, right? Defensive tackles, you got a huge pile of them, and you're going to rotate them anyways, so you just keep doing that. You don't usually rotate linebackers quite as much, you know, like Blake Martinez. He's just out there every single play. And then you might have, like, your number two linebacker who maybe gets subbed out with a safety once in a while to kind of substitute certain things here or there. But, you know, are you going to draft a Trey Lamar? in the third round, maybe fourth if he falls that far? Are you going to draft him to be a situational linebacker that's going to come in on running situations? I don't know. But I definitely want to check out Trey Lamar because he sounds like, again, six foot three, 253, Clemson, just enforcer in the middle of the field. By the way, it looks like he didn't do anything at the combine. I don't know if Clemson had their pro day yet, so I don't know his 40-yard dash time or anything like that. If, if he's, if he, This is the kind of guy, if he can put up a solid 40 time, Certain teams might take him a little bit earlier because it's a question of can he be taught to cover, right? If he's just slow, can't teach that, right? 6'3", 253, he's got a lot of size. He might be a little bit slower. Maybe, I mean, the upside of a guy like this, if we can kind of teach him to cover a little bit, if he shows any promise whatsoever, maybe he just doesn't have technique, he could go pretty early. But anyways, Trey Lamar, Jermaine Pratt are the two guys I need to watch today, but I really need to get going. So thank you very much for all the questions. Hopefully gave you some stuff to, to check out. Check out Dalen Mack, Trey Lamar, Jermaine Pratt. Check out a lot of these linebackers. Maybe, you know, PFF has their opinions, but see what you think. Otherwise, you folks enjoy your Tuesday. It is the worst day of the week. Have a good day. Bye-bye.